Welcome to the Veteran Founder Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. Starting a company allows you to be back in control. The weekly show that brings together military spouse and veteran founders who are doing remarkable things in the business world. I can't imagine there's anything out there stronger than the bond that military and veteran entrepreneurs have. We'll hear their story, the story of their business, and lessons learned. Joy can override the worries and depression. Here are your hosts, Carmen Nazario and Josh Carter. All right, welcome to another edition of the Veteran Founder Hour. I'm not sure. We still haven't... I mean, this is number 11 or 12, I think. We're at a baker's dozen, and we haven't yet to call this thing something. We have to figure that out, Carmen. Yes, we do. I welcome, am your host. everyone. I am your host, Josh Carter. With me, as always, is Carmen Nazario. Uh, you know, we, uh, we're really excited. We're, I think we've found our rhythm now. Yes. We're starting to figure this thing out. You know, I show up five minutes before we broadcast and come in and walk out like a diva, but... <laughs> We're figuring out. Yes, We're definitely. Uh, so I'm really excited this week. We have uh, David Heller, who's also a Patriot Bootcamp alumni, CEO and co-founder of Rambi. And uh, so we're really excited to have David Heller. Welcome. Thanks, Josh. Good Welcome, to be here. David. Yeah. Thank you. Very excited. You know, we've, we've had a few Patriot Bootcamp folks come through, which, is, which is, says a lot to the, the sort of the community we've built at this little thing. So I'm really excited that uh, you're here in studio, though. You're here ba- based in Portland, yeah, Oregon with Portland. us. I yeah. love it. I love yeah. it. Uh, so we're going to get to know David a little bit more. So we'll start with your story about your, your military background and wh- how that all began. And then we'll transition into your entrepreneurial story. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah? So talk a little bit about military David. What did that look like? <laughs> so... Um, First, I'm old, uh, so this is a long time ago. Um, I, I like going to Patriot Boot Camp. I always feel like I'm one of the older guys there. I don't feel old, but um, so so dating back a little bit. But I was in um, I was in high school. Like had you know hair down to my shoulders and and living a good life and. Um, Wait, was your blo- was yours blonde as well? Because mine was blonde. No, it no? was it was it's basically the same color it is now. So that's another thing. The gray hasn't crept in yet. So whatever whatever color it is now, that's what it was then. You're blessed, my friend. Um, so yeah, so the, you know, recruiters would come by the high school. They'd be everywhere. I'm like, no, not doing that. And I have a younger brother. He's a year and a half younger than me, and um, they were after him too. And and he actually signed up before I did. Like, I had started, I was supposed to go to the University of Florida, had a like half scholarship, everything was lined up, but I was living the good life and also very immature, and mm-hmm. so I, like, I'm just staying at home and, and did community college. And and where was this, David? Where uh, Were you in uh, Portland back no, then? Or? No, uh, Central Florida, Lakeland. Okay, so you're yeah. from Florida. Yeah, from, okay. I was actually, I was born in upstate New York. Okay. And then, yeah, and then... Uh, I was in, grew up in Florida though, so I identify as a Floridian. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, So yeah, my brother Jason uh, signed up, and then he hadn't left yet, so he did. You know, like this long. He was just, I think, had just entered his senior year. They got him quick, Mm. and um, so he got the delayed entry program. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, so I was, you know, I was working and going to school and. Everything, you know, it was pretty good, but it, it felt like I was in 13th grade. You know, I mean, yeah. that's basically what that year community college was. And um, then, you know, things just, you know, things happen. And uh, one day, like, the trigger point for me was uh, my brother and I had leased a car together. And that was, like, we were sharing it. Terrible idea. Yeah, <laughs> just stupid. And then, uh, so my brother, he, he takes off with a car one day. Like, goes to the beach or something. He's got all my books in the back. And so I, I don't go to school, and I'm just like, what the hell am I doing? Like, you know, like, this is just... <laughs> that was the I, epiphany. Yeah, <laughs> it was like, I'm just sitting here, I'm in the same bedroom that I've, you know, been in for, yeah. like, 10 years, and, you know, just doing the same thing, and, like, nothing nothing was different. Mm-hmm. And so I, I went down to the recruiter station that day and signed up, and I, I, I had, like, a two-month break. Like, you know, I didn't, like, sign up and then get on the bus right. the next day. So I had two months to like, oh shit, what did I do? Like this is terrible. Like I, I no back now. And oh, the recruiters very much make that clear. Yeah, yeah. Like I even tried. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I call. I was like, I think I made a mistake. Mm. And like, mm, well, what branch was this, by the way? Army. Army. Yeah. Okay. So I was in the army, yeah. and and the recruiter, you know, he uh, he said, well, the, we'd have to we have to go down to Miami, and there you'd have to get a sign off from a colonel, and you have to do this, and it's not going to happen anyway, and yeah. you know, just all these things. And um, why did he say that? Yeah, he he had stats. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, like, a quota. Yeah, okay. like he's got his number. Everybody gets measured by something. And, and right. I, I think in hindsight, like, and I don't know this, like, if I had not been there the day yeah. they came and picked me up, like, what's the worst that would have happened? I, I don't know. You know? Sure. But I didn't test it. Yeah. Um, so... So off I went. Um, oh, so so I went and did the. So originally I signed up for two plus two. So I was going to do two years active duty, two years reserve, get some college money. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, I this was not supposed to be a long term thing. Sure. So I went and did the uh, ASVAB test and did really really well. And they're like, oh wow, you like here's this. You, you could be a pharmacy tech. This never comes up. You should jump all over. <laughs> I was like, cool, sounds awesome. Okay, you got to sign up for six years. Yeah, right. No, you know, and I'm like, I'm doing <laughs> two plus two. You. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm doing two plus two. That's uh, that's all I'm doing. Okay, well you can be a cook, a mechanic, or infantry. Yeah. Like those are those are your choices. And I'm like, I guess I'll be a mechanic. You know, so I, I have sixty three Bravo. I was a light wheel vehicle mechanic. Oh wow. And uh based out of where? So I went to Fort Leonard Wood for basic and AIT. And that's where? Uh Missouri. Okay. Yeah. And um Sorry, yeah. I'm a Navy guy. I don't know where all these forts yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. They're to, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. They're <laughs> everywhere. Less of them now than there used to be. But, That's true. Um, so went to Missouri. It was like being a—I mean, I was born in upstate New York, so I had seen snow before. But having been in Florida for however many years, it had mm-hmm. been a long time. So like going somewhere cold. Um, and let's say I, went, I left in September, so I finished up basic, like, you know, getting into winter and then AIT through winter and everything. Yeah. And um yeah, it was definitely an eye-opening experience. I mean, it's you know, like one of my favorite stories that I love telling uh, non-military people is I. So I think it was my second day, and they're like, "All right, Heller, you're on. You know, you're KP." You know, so they put it on the cattle car, takes over. Like you just work from four in the morning until like. 10 o'clock at night. I mean, it's this incredibly long day. It's yeah. humiliating. Yeah. I did that, and I remember I had to wash garbage cans in the kitchen, and I go, I will never do this again. <laughs> yeah. I'm going back to college. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was humiliating and, and, and to do KP. Kool-Aid packets to clean stuff, and just like all kinds of weird stuff, and just such a long day, though. Like, yeah. it was just oh, yeah. incredible, and it was early and basic. Like, I, yep. I hadn't really hit like hard hard things in basic so this was like the hardest thing i had done up to that point and i remember at the end of the day i'm like oh my god these people must be so thankful for all the work we've done <laughs> like they're gonna like bring us a cake or something like that's this hilarious. is gonna be awesome and then the cow car comes up and takes us away that's and hilarious. i'm like oh man <laughs> so we had a uh, service week in the navy boot camp and because i'm so short i was part of the officer crew well whatever the officer crew is for our company and so our service week was we stood watch in a Hilo hangar mm-hmm. all week, and we got, like, delivery food all week. It was amazing. I'll do boot camp 20 times. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. It's I different in the Navy. Yeah. I, I think they take a better care of you. It, yeah. I, in the, in, this was early 90s, mid-90s. So, yeah, yeah but it was uh, – anyway, sorry, I yeah. digress. Yeah, so um, so finished up AIT. Um, so then I, I was told I was going to Germany. So that was cool. I, I, mm, like, yeah. even, like I think even early on, like you're like you don't want to go to Korea. You don't yeah. want to go to Korea. That like, like I don't know. Like it's like built in. Some people loved it. Some people are happy when they got. But most people are like you don't want to go to Korea. Now what year was this? Uh, uh, Ninety. Okay, so that was before yeah. Afghanistan, Iraq, and all that. Yeah. And so oh, oh, yeah. actually, another thing. Another. So when I signed up, everything was cool. Yeah. <laughs> like nothing was happening. Yeah. Yes. And I was sitting. It must have been in basic when when we invaded Kuwait. Oh shit. Mm. I might. Have, yeah. <laughs> like like I'm sitting there with my Walkman radio. Yeah. You know, and like w- bombs are being dropped. Oh Jesus. And I'm. I, I think I have the timeline right. It's a long time ago. But like yeah. you know, things definitely changed. Ninety one. Yeah, yeah. Around right that time. Yeah. So maybe yeah. I was in AIT or yeah. something like. But it was right, like, we went from, like, however many, like, 20 years of peace, yep. <laughs> like, nothing happening to, you know, for my, you know, basically my whole life. Uh, and then, then all of a sudden we're at war. Yep. 
Like, mm. wait, yeah, what happened? So I went to Germany. Um, like, you know, I, I got lucky then. And then when I got to Germany, I got stationed in Berlin. So when you're, oh, in, nice. and you're in the army, you don't like you go, you know, you're going to Germany, but you don't know what city you're going to. Mm, right. So, mm. so we get to the, um, in the city, uh, I can't remember the K town. And so land there. And then they're like, that's where you get your assignments. And me and this other guy who was in basic with me, um, we got Berlin and we're like, you lucky bastards, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> like, you know, you, 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 you hit, you hit the lottery again. Nice. So, um, so I went to Berlin and it was, it was amazing, you know, from, you know, being in a relatively small town in central Florida, um, you know, never like, you know, my family didn't even go on vacation or anything, you know, like, and all nice. of a sudden I'm in this like major metropolitan international city and it was just amazing and, mm. um, and just cool. How, I mean, just, just How cool. long were you there? So, um, I ended up staying for four years. In Germany? So, so you're like, but you said you signed up for two plus two. <laughs> 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 this is where the story just keeps going and going and going. Um, so the other thing about like being in a cool city is the nightlife's really good, and um, you didn't want to leave. And, That's what yeah, it was. And, and and I also ended up getting married while I was over there. Oh, so wow. yeah. So it um um you know life just accelerated for me really really fast. Um, you know I, I went. You from, grew up. Yeah, quickly, quickly. Yeah. So. Um, so I, I ended up getting uh, married. Um, my son was born um, in Germany, um, and I ended up uh, extending and re-enlisting, and like, and I this wasn't all in Germany, but I ended up in, in for eight years. Oh wow! Before I got out, yeah. So, so I fast forwarded a lot. So I did. Yeah, that's okay. You know, so uh, Missouri, then um, then Berlin. Um, when I was in we. Even though I was in Berlin, like those so four years, I probably spent half of the time deployed. So I was I was in um, infantry units. Even though I was a mechanic, but I was for seven of the eight years, or you know, after boot camp and AIT, I, I was in infantry units. So. But I mean, looking back now, you know, you were really kind of pressing to see if you could get out of this. But yeah. it sounds like you had a good experience. Do you, do you regret uh, your time? Um, you know, now being in the software industry, I, I, I miss that I wasn't in like that first wave. Sure. Like if I had gone, like if I had gone to co- straight to college in, right. you know, 90 to 94. Sure. Like I would have just been, you know, and assuming that things clicked for me and like I showed, you know, this interest in computers and technology and stuff, then I'd have been right there for that wave. Like, like I, I, I do a what if every now and then, but you yeah. know. Um, who knows? I also could have like done something completely not tech related and not be where I'm at now, and I wouldn't have my kid. And you know, like there's right. all kinds of things. So, yeah. um, so it, it definitely all worked out. Um, yeah, nice. So we've been talking to David Heller, CEO, founder of ReMB. We're going to get to what that is soon. Uh, but I want to know what was the next step for you? Like now you're out. Yep. What was the next step for you in in whatever? life step you were in yeah my um so in my one re-enlistment i I think i did a like two or three extensions and one major re-enlistment so the the bonus i got for that re-enlistment was to get to go to college full time for a semester nice so it was fantastic so for four months or whatever all i had to do i think i had to come in and do pt a couple times a Mm -hmm. week but other than that i just went to school nice and um just loved it. Like I just go to class, you know, got learning and I was like, I took some classes when I was in Germany. Um, but just to be able to do that all the time. So I knew that like, that's what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I wanted, I I wanted to finish my degree. I I got my associates when, um, I was in the army, but I wanted to get out, get my bachelor's. Um, I wanted to, like, it was, it was interesting when I was finished with high school, I was going to, University of Florida and thinking I was going to get into accounting. Mm-hmm. And when I left the Army, I thought that as well. I thought like, my undergrad is in finance. And mm-hmm. so I still had a very financial, that was, that's where I was thinking. I wasn't, it wasn't in the computer space. Hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, so I, I finished up, I was in at Fort Carson in Colorado Springs. That's where I finished up at. And so I, I went to the University of Colorado, um, you know, straight away. Like, I think I got out yeah, I think I was already taking classes before I was actually finished. So starting in September of 
98, I guess that was. Hmm. And, um, but, you know, so I had a kid, um, married, um, going to school full time, working full time. So both, like, it just, like, it never stopped. And then when I finished my undergrad, I went straight and kept doing my MBA. So hmm. at that point, the computer thing yeah. had kicked in. Um, and so I got my MBA in, uh, with an emphasis in information systems. Nice. So um, same thing, full t- work full-time, uh, yeah. school full-time. Like that period from 98 to 2002, two th- I don't know what happened in the world during that time. <laughs> like there is like shows. There is a big like culture gap for me that I don't know what happened in the world in yeah. those four or five years. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. That, that I've gone through that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I was going to say there's a big gap when I was deployed in the Navy where I came back and I'm like, oh, there's all these movies I stole. Even to this day, there's movies <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen. Yeah. And a big gap between like 95 and 97 when I was deployed. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you kind of put your head down and the world is sort yeah. of like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So uh, we're going to pay a bill real quick. Is sure, that cool? Sure. Go for it. Nice. So we've been talking to uh, CEO David Heller of Reambi. We're going to talk about uh, CPA dudes. Yes, CPA dudes where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on times. Customers decide the value to them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the job done. Find them at cpadudes.com forward slash start, start, uh, startup radio. Yep. Tell them Josh and Carmen sent you. So, we've been talking to David Heller, CEO, founder of Reambi. We're going to talk a little bit about that business, but that wasn't your first foray into entrepreneurship, was it? Yeah. Um, it did, like, rewinding a bit. So, like, the entrepreneurial bug that I think it originally hit me, like, this idea of, of running my own business. I was in the Army. It was I, I can't tell a story when I was a kid and I did this and this, you know, like yeah. I mowed yards, but that wasn't. <laughs> I, it was, so I started doing people's taxes when I was in the army, like I really, they, they, so I would, you know, guys were like, Oh, I got to, they had no, you know, they're like me. They came straight from sure. living in the house into being an adult and they had no idea how to do taxes. And I'm like, it can't mm. be that hard. Right. You know, mm. like 1040 easy form, 20 bucks it's done, you yeah. know, and I would do it for people. And yeah. so I, I started doing that. Um, I did the same thing, yeah. David. Mm-hmm. I was a tax preparer, yeah. and I went and got back then uh, to do taxes in Oregon. You had to get certified and take a test, but I did that, and later on, that helped me with my business, having yeah. that background as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I did it the shady route. I didn't get certified. <laughs> 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 it was like $20, I'll do it. Sign it, no tax preparation signature going yeah. on this. So, That's so I did that, and then like I would always have these ideas. I wanted to I wanted to set up a sandwich shop. Like I, I the one year I wasn't in an infantry unit, I was in a support battalion, and we were we were like removed from everybody. It was impossible to get food, mm-hmm. and so I was like, I'm just gonna make sandwiches and bring them in. But that was one of those like vapor idea. It never happened. But like yeah. I was always having these ideas, and then. Um, so, but the first company that I really like, or I say, okay, I'm starting a company was um, so I. After I got out of the Army school, I, I worked at Hewlett Packard, um, and I ended up in doing procurement type stuff and um, with a, from a systems perspective and was paying attention to what was happening um, you know, with startup companies and you know, the, the move to the SaaS model and everything. And I, there was a bankruptcy that HP had to deal with with one of our suppliers, and it was really bad. The supplier basically shut their doors, chained them up. And, you know, there were all these these contractors that HP had, and these people were like, didn't know how they were going to get paid. They didn't, like, just a lot of, you know, it was a bad situation. And I was, I was providing technology for the procurement team, so I was, like, you know, very much in the middle of this. And I was, I just think, like, with all the social, so then this was this was two thousand six, so this was early. Like you think, like I was describing it out earlier, as it was Yelp, a B two B Yelp, mm. where suppliers could you could rate and rank suppliers, but then it went the other way as well. The suppliers could rate and rank their businesses they were doing business with, mm. and so it'd be this full supplier, this three hundred sixty degree supplier view, and. Um, so I, I didn't know anything about writing any code or anything, and so my first four is I 
I found these guys. I was in, living in Houston at the time, and I found these guys in College Station, and and I wrote them a check for seven thousand dollars. Holy mackerel! Yeah, and I was like, all right, let's build this, and they were great. I, it was interesting. I I had. Um, I, I knew, like, Rails had just come out, I think, around that time. Um, and so I was like, and I, I think I had bought a book and was trying to figure it out. And I was like, I want this built in Rails because I, I, like, I'm trying to learn Rails, but I want this done now. And I did no product development. I didn't do to customer interviews, like all the things you're supposed to do, which I still don't do. <laughs> um, you know, I, I didn't do that. I just like, we're going to build this and it's going to work. And um, so they ended up building it in Python, which is interesting because now that's that's my that's my coding language of choice. Um, but I was like, no, you guys didn't do what I wanted. Yeah. That's first of all. And like just that, that what I thought building a company was and like teamwork and all that, it just wasn't there. Cause like they did, well, they didn't use the right language, but they turned out they did, but um, they, uh, they didn't, you know, it just wasn't a, like a team spirit right. thing. And mm-hmm. they were just, you know, they were invested in it. They did the contractor work they were supposed to do. And then they were gone with it. They weren't invested in it. Right. And like, they didn't care. That's about, the challenge like, when you, you know, bring out, when you outsource things, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. They're not impassioned. They're, they're impassioned by money. Yeah. It's a capitalism. Yeah. So, Model. Um, was this when you were still at HP, or this was a venture I, on the still side? H, yeah, it was on the side. Yep, okay, on the side. Right. Yeah, and um, and you know, it was the the startup ecosystem in Houston was was really uh, it was there were some very passionate people there, but it was hard to like have the uh, critical mass in Houston because Houston's sure. so massive, it's mm-hmm. so spread out. People live all over the place. It's hard to get people together. Um, but, you know, as, as best I could and for the people that were doing their best, to, like I was participating in the startup um, community there mm-hmm. and trying to learn from people. And um, and it just – so that was called Supplier View and it just kind of fizzled out. Like we had a product, mm-hmm. but I didn't know how to sell it. I didn't know. And then it was my first, uh, first example, my, not my last, is it's relatively easy to build things nights and weekends. It's really hard to sell things nights and weekends. <laughs> so, you know, like yeah. doing the, this side hustle, I completely get it and respect it. But you, if you think you're going to have to get on the phone with people and you're going to have to talk to them and have those type of sales. Yeah. It's going to be really, really hard mm-hmm. um, because people are not – They like you get off work at 6 p.m. You're not having 8 p.m. sales calls. Sure. So, um, you know, just keep that in mind. If you're going to do a side hustle and it's going to be direct sales, then, you know, be aware of that. Yeah. Um, so taking that, I – so that kind of um, – you know, went away. The next one, and I'm I'll, I'll, during this time, I'm still like I'm employed by other people. And then I did it again uh, with this company called Full Up. And so Full Up was was like I'm iterating. I'm getting better. So I found a co-founder, technical co-founder. Um, I was writing a little bit more code at this point, um, but but Graham, um, my co-founder, that was a great great Rails developer. Um, we're sticking with Rails at this point. And um, Full Up was an event marketing. So the idea was, the genesis for the idea was I had somebody that worked for me at the company I was working for that she wanted to go to a conference and she had to get me to okay it and okay the budget. And and like there's this back and forth and she didn't really know how to ask me. And like it was just awkward. And then, you know, I was thinking, and the event organizer has no idea this is happening. Like the event organizer can't help with this. So I was like, technology can solve this. And so the idea was, is we built this app that facilitated the whole um, um, request to your boss for budget. Um, and so um, so it was it was very niche, very, very niche. But we sold and we had customers. So like um, O'Reilly does a lot of conferences. Mm-hmm. And so we, you know, we had, we had a handful of customers that liked the product and used it. Um, and it felt great to put customer testimonials on the website and, and do all sure. this stuff. So it was the same thing, though. It was, you know, relatively easy to build, hard to sell, yeah. you know. So, um, and was this also, Philip was doing, you were doing this during the, as a side hustle as well? Yeah. Yep. Wow. Exactly. So, yep. you would, so you had kind of almost solved that problem of how do I find customers while doing a side hustle? Yeah. But it yeah. wasn't to a point where you could quit your day job to go move on to That's this right. yet. That's right. Yeah. That's and, interesting. Yeah, and we, um, for both of us, you know, um, both of us had, you know, have 
families and obligations and mortgages and all this stuff. And it's just really hard to, you know, like, hey, I'm just going to go do this. And um, unless you're like, you see the evidence, right? Like, oh, I like I, I can see traction happening. I can I can see the potential for growth and it's really going to go. So I'm, you know what? I am going to go blow my 401k on this or I'm mm-hmm. going to do something. Like, I'm, I'm just, I'm, you know, like... Some people can do that and and just like you know, drag themselves into hundreds and thousands of dollars of debt or whatever. But I, I need a little more evidence. Sure. <laughs> so, um, so we kind of decided that it was, you know, it it was I actually it was is the the thing that that finally did it for me on full up, is when I had to file taxes. I was just like this. We made so little money. And it's so hard to, like, deal with the taxes. Right. And then I had to pay the registration fee for the state of Oregon. And, like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm fine paying taxes and everything. It's just hard. Yeah. Like, and it just takes time. And I'm right. like, I'm spending more time on doing this than, like, if I just, you know, like my hourly rate if I went out and worked somewhere. And, sure. like, you know, so it just wasn't worth it. And neither one of us really saw the potential of it for, like, this convince your boss app to be, like, be its own thing. Mm-hmm. And... And just like from an IP perspective, like it's easy, pretty easy to replicate it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. like even from an acquisition standpoint, like I just didn't see it happen. Didn't whole, have a whole yeah. lot of defensible yeah. position yeah. there. Yeah. So um, so we decided to shut that down, and um, you know, and then like go back. You know, well, I never stopped working, but yeah. they were like, okay, I'm gonna step away from this. And actually, at that point, I was I was kind of burnout on the whole startup thing. Hmm. At that point, and I was also like definitely shifting my mind. Where back in Mid 2000s, late 2000s, it was all about tech crunch and funding and like, yeah. you know, like Michael Arrington's writing this. And like, you know, I would just read that stuff and soak it up and love it. And mm. then I was, and then, you know, but then I think I had gone to, uh, there was a thing in Silicon Valley. I can't remember what it was, but I went down there for two days. I mean, it might have been a Y Combinator thing. There was a party at Y Combinator. And um, I just couldn't take it anymore. Like, it was just that, echo chamber of just constant noise about startups and funding and all of that and like just nothing else in life. Yeah. And you do get you do get a little bit of a fatigue. Yeah. When you're living that constantly yeah. where it's like driving home the raise a lot of money, grow fast yeah. uh mentality. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So um you know it was one of those things like I was so, I was happy to be there for the two days, but I couldn't wait to get away. Like yeah. and then I was also I was like I'm not sure this is what I want to do right now. And, and you know, it's just, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to step away. Like, I'm not sure. going to go jump into another idea. I've got, you know, books full of ideas mm-hmm. and things I, you know, this is the other, like, you know, no shortage of ideas like a lot of people. Um, so I stepped away from that for a little bit. And then um, and then I got laid off. So, so Interesting. Then, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. First time in my life. Um, like, I had navigated so many layoffs at, at yeah. HP and had to lay people off and everything. And so, for the first time in my life, I got laid off. How, how soon uh, after you stepped away did you get laid off? Like, a few months after you From stepped From full up? Yeah. Yeah. Um, two years. Oh, okay. Like so it had been yeah, a while yeah. since so, you yeah. stepped away from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So was yeah. that during the down economy or? No, this, I mean, this was just in um, March of 2017. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Recently. Yeah, so, um, and the idea around Riembi had been brewing. Mm-hmm. So, like, so I had witnessed, you know, like, I solve problems I see. And, um, and... There's a joke in my head about ludicrous raps about what he sees, but I can't, I can't stop. Um, so anyway, um, so uh, so I, I I write code for problems I see, um, and he and and so so this idea of Riembi and like I saw how difficult it was to reimburse job candidates and like everyone hated it. Like in HR, they're like, how do we reimburse? We had this candidate fly in. How do how do we give her her money back? And the accounting people couldn't stand it because they like, had to create this person as a vendor one time and. Like there's so so much paperwork and hassle involved in right. doing that, and I was like, oh, that's dumb. And and so, um, so the idea had been kind of germinating, and I was getting more and more into Python. Mm-hmm. Like I was I was using Python at, at the, jo- the job I was at, and writing scripts and doing data analysis and things like that, and really loved the language. And I was like, you know what? I like I, I want to get into Django. I'd written some Flask apps. I was like, I'm going to get in Django and, and see if I can build this concept of what I have in mind for Riembi. And um, 
And so this was before I was laid off. So when I say like Rambi launched in September 2017, that's absolutely true. But like the idea had happened probably like December of 2016 or something like that. And mm. so, um, so then when I got laid off, I I was I was like, what what am I going to do? Like I can. So the choices I had laid out, I could just go get another job. Um, I can do some consulting. Or like, hey, I've I've got some personal runway now where you know I got I got a nice severance, you know I've got some money saved up, mm-hmm. I I don't have anything to do on Monday, um, you know <laughs> you like employment, like, yeah yeah. So um, and also Oregon has a fantastic program if if you can demonstrate how you're going to start your own business, you can do that while you're on your unemployment instead of looking for another job. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, I can't remember the name. Like we can put it in show notes sure, or something. Sure, sure. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. Move to Oregon, people. Um, <laughs> so, um, um, so it is a good place to start a business. I'll, I'll be honest. I love yeah, it here. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, and also during that time, I, I also. Uh, so when I was building that, like, my concept of Reambi, I was on the Python Slack channel, the Python developer Slack channel, asking a lot of questions as I run into stuff. And, and I had started this one guy I, you know, connected with, and he asked me what I was working on. And he really liked the idea. And so Paul, um, who's my co-founder on Reambi, that's how I found Paul is on the, the Python developer Slack um, so I think that, like, in my um, like list of accomplishments, like, finding two technical co-founders. I was going to say, because it's – the thing that I hear constantly, and I, it's my story, too, is mm-hmm. you find somebody that has business acumen, mm-hmm. and they, but they don't have the technical chops yeah. to build mm-hmm. something. Right. With you, it's the opposite. You, you have kind of both, yeah. and you went out and you found another technical co-founder. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how well does that dynamic work? Um, I think, and that also has helped me find technical co-founders because I'm not one. I completely respect what they do um, and have enough knowledge mm-hmm. to like have an intelligent conversation with them. But I also like I, I'm not in any way. I I, I call my I'm, I'm an amateur developer completely. Sure. Like I I don't tell Paul how to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. I like I'm, I'm I'm the product person, I'm mm-hmm. the business development person, I'm all of this. If if Paul says A is a better way to implement this than B, I'm like, "All right, then A is what it is." I'll sure. I might ask some questions so I can understand it better, <laughs> but that's Paul's decision. So I um yeah, so I I think that that's helped me um in finding um Technical co-founders, where you know a lot of, of business-only people will yeah. struggle with that. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. It's definitely what we struggled with. So, how do you how do you market the product now? Yeah. So, um, so after it, the way I originally did it was, um, so we've got a small um, Google AdWords campaign. I I contact people through LinkedIn because I'm looking for recruiters. So people mm-hmm. that are in the talent acquisition space, um, mm-hmm. they're actually people with job titles now, candidate experience managers, like that are really focused on the candidate experience. And that's what Reambi um, addresses is how do we make it a better experience for candidates so that they have a better perception of the hiring company? Because you can go out on Glassdoor, you can see like just job candidates ripping employers for like taking eight weeks to reimburse them or never reimbursing them or not being clear about what was reimbursable. So it's a, it's an impact on the company right. um, mm-hmm. when you don't handle this well. And, you know, if you can, if you can cut a check to somebody or, you know, issue them payment in Venmo, um, you know, within four hours. I mean, that's our, we, we guarantee it's within 48 hours after the expense report is approved that the payment's out the door, but it's generally four hours. I mean, you know, while that person's still making up their mind about whether they want to join your company, they've already been reimbursed. So, you know, those, those things really help. Um, Mm-hmm. So, but the the marketing piece of it, and we're 100% bootstrap. So we don't have like, we're not doing any radio ads yet. We're not doing, you know, like it, it's 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 me just out hustling on LinkedIn, and and we do have a Google AdWords campaign. We've tried LinkedIn ads, we've tried Twitter ads, and got nothing really from those yet. But mm-hmm. that just could be my poor copy abilities. But um, mm-hmm. but uh, every every one of our customers until this latest one that we pulled in came. Just from the Google AdWords campaign, which is really tiny budget. Interesting. Mm, yep. That's good. Nice. We've been talking to CEO and co-founder of ReMB. Uh, we're gonna do another ad. Is that cool? You ready, Carmen? Or you want me to do this one? You want me Go to ahead, do this? Go ahead, Josh. All right. 
<laughs> Let's talk about Pork Bun Domains, uh, website and internet, com- internet commerce for the rest of us. Pork Bun, where you can get website domains for your business or personal brand with the lowest prices and amazing free services. I love this because, you know, everybody has heard of .com, .net, .org, or .io, but not many people have heard that, uh, you know, .design. So if you have a design firm, you can actually have a domain that's .design, and it helps better explain what you do. So and that's the entire thing that Pork Bun Domains does. So find more information, use your imagination, and find them at porkbun.com forward slash startup radio. You can tell them Josh and Carmen sent you. So again, we're back here with CEO, co-founder David Heller of ReMB, and he was just talking to us about you know his ability to find another technical co-founder and then the, his customer acquisition strategy. And I want to talk a little bit about... Um, what? Where do you see this going in say five years? Like, where do you, what do you think the the next plateau is for for ReMB and and where is it headed? Yep. So um, so right now, like I describe ReMB as a very niche product. Our fo- our initial focus has been job candidate reimbursements. We're expanding that into other types of non employees. So um, sure. one of our customers is using uh, ReMB for conference speakers. So we can continue to expand out, expand out that way and do more and more non-employees. Another new customer is, actually wants to use ReMB for their employees too, which is a, a shift. And like you have to think about it from a product perspective. Sure. Is that the right thing to do? So I'm not 100% committed to that yet. Um, so there's that employer. But I, to me, what the interesting thing is, is how – so there are all these payment methods that – people have options now on how to receive money. Mm-hmm. So it used like it used to be how you were going to get reimbursed is you got reimbursed in cash. Then you had the option of getting a check. And then you had direct deposit, right? Mm-hmm. And that pretty much then it like hit direct deposit and kind of stopped for a long time. Right. But now if you look at it, you've got I mean PayPal, you can receive money by PayPal, Venmo, Zelle. Um, like we offer we can reimburse people six different ways through through ReMB. And if, if you look at a, a, a traditional company, how are they going to deal with that? Like right. when they have somebody come up to them and like, no, I, I want you to deposit in my Coinbase account. I want, how do you, you know, I, I just put my money in Venmo. Like that's, that's where I want it. And that's the part that's interesting to mm-hmm. me is how do you become that channel for disbursements across all these different sure. um, payment possibilities. And mm. so I definitely don't have that solved, but that to me is the interesting play in all of this is 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 handling that. And what's the feedback been from your customers, these employers that have to then go through and figure out what the different payment options that they could is that the value add there is that you guys figure that all out and then the whatever the candidate says that's sort of what they go through rather than what the old model is was sort of the company dictating, "Hey, yeah. if we're going to reimburse you, it's going to be We'll send you a check, and it'll come in three to four, eight weeks. Yep, absolutely. Right? So, so Rambi uh, reimburses the candidate directly. Okay. So, so when that shows up in their account, whatever their account is, it shows as it's coming from Rambi. Um, so, so for the hiring company, you know, they're just paying. They pay Rambi, mm-hmm. and then we handle the disbursements. Um, and and they will take a while then in paying you, right? The companies they pay us up front. Oh, we get oh, the money up front. Oh, <laughs> and then that's do you take good. a do you take a cut of that? Yeah, thing? yeah. So and we get we get a transaction fee Got on it. every on Got every it. payment. Yeah. So okay. so we get the money up front. So the the company will will estimate we work together, estimate forty five to sixty days worth of expenses. They mm-hmm. give us that money up front and then we just draw down from that and invoice out. Oh so, wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So um so yeah, I forgot the question. But no, no, that's <laughs> how we do it. Was, uh, you know, dictating uh, the policy rather than oh. you know uh, a, a, a candidate saying this is how I want yeah. to take my money, right? So you know, and the reason why I'm, I'm asking that is because you know, like I said, the old model is sort of like you know I'm going to give you a check, yeah. but um, it's interesting. So you know, whether it's putting it in a Coinbase account or Venmo, Venmo or Zelle, whatever it is, um, you know, where where do you think? Or, or why do you think that's so important mm-hmm. uh, for the employer to understand how to be agile in that yeah. in that regard? I think it's about choice. Like, so for the candidate, now all of a sudden the candidate has a choice. Sure. You know, like, and they really appreciate that. So if you... So if you're reimbursing candidates, even if you're doing a great job on it, you're probably only issuing payment to them one way. Like you're going to get a check. 
Yep. Or you're going to get a direct deposit, so give us your bank account information. Sure. So now you're like signaling to this candidate, wow, we actually care. Like you you get to choose how you want your money. Mm-hmm. So like none, when they become an employee and they don't have a choice in how they're getting paid, but, you know, we'll solve that problem later. So, um, so you know, that choice aspect, like what we see right now, so you go from – zero choice, so everyone gets reimbursed 100% of the time the same way, to, you know, we've got 30% of candidates that are choosing to get reimbursed by Venmo. Um, so, like, and it's very interesting, this, and I'm, you know, really like digging into the data and seeing what people happening or see what people are choosing. And this ramp up of Venmo, especially in the last couple of months, like we started out, you know, know, Rimby's not even a year old. So it's not like this has been a long time, but um, Venmo usage has particularly increased. And and I have my theories on that. And a lot of it is geographic. So we have a lot of candidates in the Northeast right now that are probably in their 20s. And they're probably 90% of the time in that demographic are picking Venmo to be reimbursed. Hmm. So it's, it's really interesting. interesting. So like, yeah, this data that we're, we're having access to is, um, you know, I think we'll pull a lot of insights out of that. Hmm. What do you think is different between Riembi and say full up? Like, this seems like you've unlocked something here. Like there's Mm -hmm. definitely something there. Yeah. What do you think the difference is between this venture and other things that you've done in the past? Um, no one, when when we did full up, okay, so supplier view, like it, it was way too soon. Mm-hmm. Like no one, you know, you were a very early adopter if you were using Yelp in 2007 or 2000, whatever year it was. Um, and then with full up, people had convinced your boss, like they'd have a Word document that they might put on their conference page, but no one saw it as a problem. Like I was having to say, no, this is a problem. <laughs> like yeah. I had to describe the problem sure. to them and this is how we could fix it. With Reembi, like, like this is where the Google AdWords campaign, is, you know, people are out there searching, mm-hmm. right? Like one, like sometimes we get hits on candidate reimbursement policy. Like they don't even know what their policy should be. So oh, yeah, yeah, so they're trying to figure out how to do this, and mm-hmm. um, they're identifying as probably like you can see it with the uh, increase in this job title of candidate experience manager. Like companies, it's way more competitive now. You know, numbers came out today early. Thanks, Trump. And <laughs> um, and so they, um, um, you know, he he. Lost my thing there. That's okay. <laughs> you, you were thinking Trump, but then. Yeah, he kind of distracts me sometimes. <laughs> no, so, so it's more competitive. That's yeah. what I was going. So it's very competitive, right? It's, you know, <laughs> companies are having to take extra steps sure. to, um, to bring in candidates. And so they're really focused on this candidate experience and committing resources to that. So right. I think that's the big thing that's changed. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what, is, what has been some of the learnings that you've taken away from these other two ventures that you've spun down? That you're hoping to avoid with Reambi, yeah. Um, so we're definitely I'm I'm more um, thoughtful from a product standpoint. Sure. Um, you know, it's very I, I I didn't do a lot. I I didn't do as much customer interviewing as I should have when I launched. I, I had a good concept of what was needed, and I think I was lucky that I was like pretty, had framed the problem pretty well. Yeah. But now when we're talking about new features, like the first answer is usually no. Like, you know, and it was interesting. I was on a, I was doing a demo this morning and somebody, a a prospect asked for this feature that a customer had asked for yesterday. Yeah. And, you know, I was like, okay, I'm starting, like, there's some signal here that this, this is valuable. Right. And so, so definitely, you know, having a strong, and I think this is having spent a few more years in product manager roles. It's like just built up that skill set more. So I think that piece of it, and, but and maybe you're like I'm preempting an upcoming question is like, but I also like I, I, I see blind spots now. So now I've moved on. Okay, I figured I'll never completely figure it out, but like I, I've got a handle on the product piece of it better. But now my big problem is pricing. Like pricing is so hard. It's the number one. It's, it, it is our number one issue right now. I mean, of course, well, we want more customers. Hard? You want to be think, competitive? Uh, yeah, I think entrepreneurs there's a there's a bias to like I'm I'm just going to charge so little because like it's not worth that much or you know people won't pay for this or I'm going to get a zillion customers so I only need to charge them a dollar. And um 
you're trying know? to build up your your place in the market, right? So there's mm, that like, yeah. I'm not that trustworthy. I need to build yep. that trust in, and part of that is to charge less for my my product or service so that I can get more customers. Yeah, and that's yeah. a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs. I had a call mentor session yesterday. Yeah, same thing. Customers like, how much should I charge? Yeah. and they're saving hospitals. Fifty thousand dollars on average a year, yep. and they're charging like five thousand a year for their product. Yeah, like you are an insane. Yeah, charge more. Charge more. Charge more. I yeah. mean, that's the thing. And and I like I was at PBC in San Antonio, yeah. and, and Marcus, you know, he said that to me too. And like, you know, he threw out a number. He's like, you should be charging this per year. <laughs> I'm like, okay, it's not that number, <laughs> but you know, yeah. it's more. It's definitely more than I'm charging now, or mm. I should, you know. And so those, are, and we're trying to figure it out. Like, you know, and this is this is the beauty of like running your own thing and you like you can experiment i don't have to get anybody else's permission to to experiment with pricing like i can pick you know like okay today i'm going to try this tomorrow i'm going to try this and just you know i and that's that's what i love about doing it is you know you, you're responsible for your own failure and and you're responsible in many ways for your own success one of the things i tell entrepreneurs constantly is figure out how to do a financial model Mm-hmm. Because you can play with those knobs yep. without I- interacting with your customer, right? Yep. So you can you can load up all of your cost of goods sold in mm-hmm. in this financial model and almost mock it up. Like, what happens if I charge more here? Yep. Or what happens if I get charged less here for this service? And so financial modeling is so important, yep. in my opinion. Uh, so, yeah. So anyway, total tangent. Yep. Uh, Good advice. Totally related, yep. yeah. Yeah. So yeah, pricing pricing is the current big challenge, and, and like always, just more customers. Yeah. Sure. Um, so. and, and besides doing Google AdWords, what else do you think you need to be doing to um, to go out and get more customers? Yeah. So I um, I had gone to product. I had as a product manager, I had gone to conferences and sat at booths before, and I was always kind of like, yeah, I'm not sure I can see the value out of this. But I um, over the summer, um, no, not the summer. Earlier this year, February, March, time flies by. Um, I went to Las Vegas for this uh, recruiting conference. Uh, so it was just a bunch of recruiters and stuff. And I didn't do a booth. I didn't, you know, I just walked the floor yeah. and just talked to people. And and so I, I'd, I'd like to start doing more events. Yeah. Um, I think that's you know just from, you've got a critical mass of people there, and you know you can talk to so many people in a short amount of time and get some visibility there. So I think because I am in a, a niche, um, and you know there's not ten thousand people searching for what we're selling sure. every day, like to get in those target rich environments, um, mm. I think is could be hugely beneficial. So that's that's um, something that that I'm looking at for the fall, and you know as a as a next step. Nice. Yeah, there's uh, HR um, HR conferences too that might yep. be helpful. Yep. Yeah. Because then you meet the decision makers. Yep. The recruiters may not necessarily be the decision makers, but absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And even like, and I want to say recruiting conference. It was actually a sourcing conference. I'm learning so much about the HR field. Like, like I was around a bunch of sourcers, mm-hmm. and their job is to bring the can like to identify the candidate. Then they'll hand it off to the recruiter, whose job it is to Wait, reel them in. Wait, there was a whole conference on sourcing. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. You blew my mind. Yeah. Yeah. So they're like, you know, I had some good conversations. Like, oh. You you really need to go to the recruiters conference, yeah. which which was in San Diego. <laughs> and who was there? What types of companies were there? Um, all over the board. I mean, mm-hmm. it was you know um, larger companies, like in you know not Fortune nece- five hundred, yeah, Fortune five hundred, but also like, like you know Puppet from Portland was here uh, or there. Um, you know, so there were tech companies. Yeah, tech companies. I think that's been that's another like where I completely misread the market. When I started Rambi, I thought, oh, I'm going to sell this to, like, smaller companies and, mm-hmm. you know, they'll be the early adopters. I have none of those. So my company, my customers are very established companies. Um, Large you know, corporations. Yeah, like, I think the smaller, like, 1,500 people is the smallest up to wow. 20,000. So mm-hmm. it's it's definitely the enterprise space, which is, say, like, going back to the pricing. And I think I saw this on the Portland Startup Slack today. Somebody had wrote... Um, you know, ten thousand dollars for you is a lot of money. Ten thousand dollars for a company is nothing. Right. You know, pocket change. Yeah. Carry around. So you're you're sweating it. Like no one's going to give me ten thousand dollars. I'm not asking Josh for ten thousand dollars. I'm asking for ten thousand dollars from this multi, you know, million conglomerate. So, right. Um, not that they're just going to hand it over, but it's not. They're not losing sleep over that ten thousand no. dollars. Not at all. It's pocket yeah. change. Yeah. 
Great. So uh, we've been talking to the CEO of Reambi, David Heller. Uh, so we have we're kind of closing up here. Do you have any parting thoughts? Like what what would you what advice would you give the David Heller of just getting out of the army? Yeah. That you that you could impart some wisdom, some learnings of the entrepreneurial journey to yourself. Um, if if you're going to get into technology, learn how to code. You don't have to be a professional developer, but you sure. you need. You need to understand um, how code is written. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, you know, you need to know how to use Git. Like, there's just things that it's just, just not acceptable to not have some basic knowledge of. And so, so like, if, if, you're, if, if you're thinking you're going to be the business person on a technology company and not know how to, like, have an, a basic understanding of that, then, like, you've got to get that right away. So I think, like, so if you're interested in technology, do that. But, you know, there's a lot of great companies that aren't, aren't you know, technology is not the focus. And for that, I think it's just, like, get out and meet people and talk to people that are doing it. Um, go to meetups. Like, don't, don't just lock yourself away and, yeah. and, you know, try to do this on your own. It's intriguing. Yeah, I was an early employee at Twilio, and what always uh, impressed me and impressed our customers was that Jeff Lawson, their CEO, would just get up and start live coding yeah. at a conference. <laughs> And uh, in fact, the last conference they did, uh, they announced facts. Mm -hmm. And the way they announced it was Jeff got on stage and programmed and made 42 different fax machines just spit out <laughs> paper yeah. uh, through just coding. Yeah. Like, and, yeah. and, no, I totally agree. Like, I'm not the technical co-founder in, in anything I've done. But, uh, you know, I can I can deploy code yep. and do stuff and yep. write a script and, and do enough to be dangerous. Yep. And I think it's wildly important, and, and it, especially as... As technology and coding is becoming the new literacy, I think folks that uh, need to uh, understand that, it, it's it's really important, man. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I appreciate you coming in, man. Uh, Carmen, any, anything else you got? I don't. Thank yeah. you so much. I think uh, our audiences really uh, have some good takeaways. Yeah. I love it. And I'm so glad you're here in Portland, man. It's, yeah. uh, it's great to see you. Uh, but yeah, we'll have to keep this conversation going and... Uh, Find another time for you to come in. Yeah, sometime. well, thanks for having me on. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah. So you've been listening to the Startup Radio Network, the network that brings inspiration and education to startups and entrepreneurs around the globe. Tune in again next week and every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Listen, learn, and get shit done. See you guys next week. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.